Well, here we go again. You're here on the Watkins Award Show. Every Monday from 6 to 7, you got Coach T. Tate here, which I don't take lightly, and my sidekick, the guy who, man, he charters the waters and he <laughs> travels from coast to coast, Jerry Pearson. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, well, look, we got a great show for you today. I just want to talk about just briefly that this is the 35th edition, Mr. Pearsaw. 30, 35. 35. 35. 35. 35. Are you kidding 30, me? 35, man. Can you believe this? 35. And we started off on our day on January the 25th. And now here we are in October the 25th. Man, oh, what? Well, is that a coincidence or was it by design? Divine intervention. That's what we will call it. Well, we'll call it ladies and gentlemen, you know, I'm going to get right into it. And you know, one of the things I always do is do that disclaimer, always say that the views and opinion of this show the Watkins Awards show are those of Coach T. Tate and yours truly, J. Everett Pearsall. So if you got a problem with what we say, don't hold BBS Radio accountable. Don't hold our advertisers and the people who promote our show uh, uh, accountable for our words and what we say. Because sometimes, sometimes, and today it's going to be one of those days. People just don't believe what we're talking about. Like two guys that had a, a drink and they don't have anything else to do but to lie on the youth of today. I mean, can you believe that, Mr. Pearson? Oh, and I also want to say that uh, I, I did get a, a fan of ours, somebody that's a true fan. And I can't say um, good afternoon without saying good evening and good morning, because there are people who are listening to this show all over the world. So this is something that I'm going to do. We only have done this several times, but I want to open it up to our listeners, our fans, so they will know that you can, maybe you might not do it this week, but I had a person to ask me a couple of weeks ago, why can't I call in? Why why couldn't I ask a question of your guests? And what I like to tell everyone that you can call in at any time and we'll have the engineer to pick up that call. But the telephone number is 1-888-627-6008. That's 1-888-627-6008. Zero zero eight. So I got that out of the way. And you know, I always talk about our advertisers, our sponsors, and I do want to say that um, you know, all of them have done a tremendous job and staying with us, doing everything that they can do with us. I'll talk about them a little later in the show, uh, as far as what. Uh, someone can do. But here's a couple of things also, Mr. Pearsall, that I don't want to forget. Now, 
people can go by our website, www.naaaa.com. They can make a donation. They can make a donation. They can also go to the website and that awesome shirt that you have on, that most of the time you have on, you know that you can buy those shirts. A person can buy those shirts. Put Mr. Pearsall's name in there and take a discount on Mr. Pearsall. As a matter of fact, since today is the 25th, we'll take the biggest number out of 25 and give you a 5% discount on anything that you purchase. And we'll take that 5% out of Mr. Pearsall's pay. We'll take it out of his pay. Now, he's volunteering. This, 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 None of us get paid for nothing. So he has a job, a full-time job, and we'll get that money out of his pay to pay the balance of the bill. So we'll give you a fact that's today only, today only, October the 25th. So you have to place your order by midnight tonight in order to get that 5% discount. Great quality, because I can see in the screen that that's an awesome shirt there, Mr. Pearsall. So tell me about it, Mr. Pearsall. Is this donation uh, button available on the landing page? And can I get this merchandise? You absolutely can get this merchandise. And so as soon as you go to our website, www.naaaa.com, the first thing you'll see at the top is the donate button. So along with your ability to purchase uh, some of our wonderful items that we'll have available to you, um, you can just donate and you will receive a, a receipt for your donation. It will be immediately be emailed out to you as we are a 501c3 organization since 1989. Been doing this for quite a long time, over three decades of service to the, to the communities all over America. Now, Mr. Pearsall, it'll be hard for me not to mention some of the things that have been going on for the past week. Uh, and I want you to weigh in on it. There's a, a guy that is a uh, a Watkins honoree that's making a lot of noise. Now, just in case people also, let me stop there. Mr. Pearsall has Under Armour. I have on Nike. And the reason why is because I'm wearing my cardinal red today for my special guest. Or I should say our special guest. Uh, He is another one of our outstanding student athletes who attended and graduated from Stanford University. So I'm wearing the cardinal red and white, the, the tradition. And their sponsor is Nike. So that's the reason why Mr. Pearsall and I have different logos on our garments today. I just wanted to get that straight. But we have another gentleman that's out there. I just want you to kind of clear up uh, the game of the week. But one of the guys that we've talked about before real briefly uh, is N'Kobe Dean, uh, who is on the uh, all-state, uh, all-star team, and we'd like our listeners to go to ESPN.com forward slash all-state 
and you can vote for the captain of that team. And their influence allows them to make donations to nonprofits. And I just want to say that um, congratulations to Nicole, who donated 10 grand, 10 stacks, $10,000 to a nonprofit organization, a community center in his community of Mississippi. So I stopped there, Mr. Pearsall. Talk about your game of the week or even talk about Nicole Dean. It's up to you. <laughs> well, it's pretty special to talk about this particular game of the week because you were with me. And so <laughs> on the last game of the week, the last game of the week, and, and, and essentially I'll be able to catch you up on two. I know we have a couple of minutes of saw dogs. So last week um, we weren't here and able to talk about the game of the week, but I was there in Atlanta where you and I were able to go to University of Georgia, get between the hedges and watch the Kobe Dean get out there and play on the field. And what a special rendition on how it is to perfectly play the linebacker position. Now, you know, I like the fact that you've talked about the fact that he gave away $10,000 to um, his home community center in Horn Lake, Mississippi. Um, He's also now been added to the watch list for the Ronnie Lott Award. And I'm expecting buckets and a couple of those other awards to come along as well. So, I I mean, you know, I I can see into the future a little bit when it comes to my guys. And so he is uh, by far one of the most uh, uh, coveted linebackers that's playing in college football. And uh, a lot of people are looking at him. They're talking about him and and that linebacker in Alabama is one, two, depending on who you talk to. And so he's making a lot of noise, but we had a chance to come to the game and spend some time with mama. So Nikita was there, Byron, his dad was there. His sister was there, and uh, he had quite an assortment of, of friends and family there to support him. Before that, the really special treat was the fact that we got to hang out with Marcus Jackson from the class of 2002. And we're talking about guys that we honored 20 years ago. He whipped out that magnificent grill, and boy, he put it down, but he made sure he gave us some of that Southern hospitality. Mm-hmm. And so I tailgated before the game. I was able to attend the game. After the game, we all went to dinner. It was really a delight, and I was happy that uh, you were able to come with me and, and, and be able to enjoy that with us as well. Now, this week, as you may be able to hear some background noise, I'm in the airport right now, so I am on my way back home uh, from the game of the week this week, which was USC against Notre Dame. Now, I haven't been to Notre Dame, boy, it may be eight or nine years, for reasons that we won't get into, but, you know, I decided to to venture out, fly into Chicago, drive and up to Notre Dame. Oh, no, we'll not do that today. We need a whole nother show for that. <laughs> but <laughs> you know this, man. <laughs> but uh, I was able to go up there and see Isaiah Pryor. Isaiah Pryor. Now, Isaiah Pryor has already got his master's degree. He graduated with his bachelor's in three years, transferred to Notre Dame. He's got his master's degree, and now he's working on his doctorate. So he's in his fifth year. He's up there at Notre Dame making a whole lot of noise. He's in a bunch of packages. I sat next to his mom and dad, Lillian and Richard. And boy, a treat it was to watch the Notre Dame game, a place that I probably said at point in time I would not go back to. But they made it a wonderful experience. And so I also got to see Shane Simon. Now, Shane is hurt. He uh, tore his labor in the first game of the season, which I did not know. And so I apologize for not knowing that. 
Um, but after the game, he gave me a tour of the locker room. I got a chance to see his locker, his workouts. He may be back before the end of the season, but definitely plans to complete his master's degree by the time he's done at Notre Dame. Already? Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? He graduates in December. He has another year of eligibility. And his purpose is to make sure that before he leaves Notre Dame, that he leaves with a master's degree. Man, this is incredible. Playing at a high level like that. And you're so focused on education that you're walking out of those institutions with a master's degree. Are you kidding me? Notre and Dame. So, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. And uh, I also saw Chris Thompson. And Chris is still trying to work his way into the uh, lineup there. Their high hopes as that program is in a little bit of tr- transition. Um, and they try to you know, put themselves in a position where they can pick the right coach to get back to that USC tradition. And so it was a long weekend, but a great weekend. And I tell you, when you see these individuals and, you know, take pictures with them and get a chance to share with them, I miss them. I mean, it's been two years, man. Through COVID, I hadn't seen these guys for two years. Um, and, and it really gave me an opportunity to catch up and see what they're doing and seeing what they're up to and get this great news that I can give you. I mean, the last two Watkins games of the week, I walked away with a glow. And I get goosebumps now that I sit here and talk about it, to be honest with you. Man, I'm, I'm already sweating after that report, man. I mean, and you're right. We did attend one of the games, and, man, that was an awesome experience. Uh, Mr. Pry did invite me to surprise you, but unfortunately <laughs> I had prior commitments, and I appreciate the Pry family, which are from Georgia. I want you to know that as well. That's why I had an empty seat next to me. Yeah, he didn't tell me it was you that left that seat empty, but yeah. it was an empty seat next to me. Yeah, it was your ticket. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I, that would have been a surprise. I wish you yeah. would come, but we'll, we'll get him next time. We'll get him next. Yeah, time. we'll we'll get him next time. We're, and also, <laughs> you and I will have to allow the audience to be indulged into your conversation about Notre Dame. Uh, but I know that'll be another conversation. Um, but I, I'm, I really appreciate you bringing all that out because, you know, I, I spoke to uh, Nicobe's dad, uh, Byron, and he was excited about everything that was going on. I thought the excitement was going to have Nicobe a little stage frightened by all the attention that his family was giving him. But, man, that family is all about support. They support him. And I think he feeds off of that, uh, that makes him even have better games. And by the way, at one time, he was leading the SEC in tackles. So I don't know if it's still uh, in his hands at the top, but he was leading them up until maybe a game ago. So I just have to look at the stats to confirm that again. Uh, Mr. Pearsall, this is, you know, clearly an honor that we're going to have a young man to come in here today, uh, Frank Bonkham. Um, you know, this, this guy is the guy. I mean, I, I don't know any other way to put it uh, in terms of the type of person that he is. He is an awesome, awesome guy. I mean, when I first met him, it really took me to a whole nother level and uh, talking with him and seeing him. I mean, he had his own style. 
And I literally, me, his own staff, because we were in Washington, D.C., a city that uh, I would say pride themselves off of fashion. And Frank came in and he made a statement right away. Um, And Frank may think that I forgot about this, but clearly, I mean, this dude had not one, but two bow ties on. And I'm looking at it, but it was a stylish way that he connected these bow ties, man. But you know what? I got to find out, and I got to let our our friends, family, and our fans understand is I always kind of start things off. I mean, first of all, he was an outstanding athlete, but his scholarship, his intellectual capacity is what attracted me. I mean, this dude's engine was running, man. I mean, we was having conversation. The conversation was way out there somewhere in the ozone area, man. I mean, he really tested my ability to conversate with an intellectual. However, however, Frank knew how to change gears on you. He could be intellectual and then he could be street. You know, I mean, I'm going to find out the kind of music he likes. I mean, is he listening to Tupac and Biggie? You know, is he listening to Lil Wayne? What is going on with this guy? But he's from San Diego, uh, went to St. Augustine uh, High School And I mean, just what he was able to do in those four years of high school just blows my mind. Just thinking about what he told me at the Watkins Award and what he wanted to. Well, let me restate that. What he was going to accomplish at Stanford. It wasn't what he wanted to. It was what he was going to. Well, this is what I'm going to do. And and that's. Kind of cocky, young man. This is what I'm going to do. This is the way I'm going to Stanford, and I'm going to make this happen. And so I see this this young man is up now. Frank, will you please, will you please, please, I mean, take my regards. Make sure your parents know that I send my love uh, to them. But welcome to the show, Frank Bunkum. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I'll, I'll certainly pass off that note to my parents. I'm certain they'll appreciate it. They always appreciate the love. And man, I I should have got on a little bit later because I, I shouldn't have heard all that stuff. Uh, you you uh, you flatter me a bit too much. You flatter me a bit too much. I, but I definitely appreciate the kind words. Um, and it's, it's funny to hear about these things and realize I didn't I wouldn't I didn't anticipate that you'd remember. Um, all those all those years back. Oh no, Frank, trust me. There are my memory isn't the best, but there are some people that write in stone in my memory, man. I, I can't help but to recognize a true a, a true king. Like, I mean, you certainly took sports in the intellectual aspect. Of what you represented, I mean your 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 
Nothing has changed about you as a person. So let me, here's the thing. We try to educate our audience and try to help them to raise the next Frank Bunkum. I mean, how in the world did, and I know your fam, man, you got superstars in your family in terms of athletes, but what and when was that seed planted in you that you can recall that had you go off on this pursuit of excellence in education and in athletics? Whew, that's that's a good question. Um, it's tough to say with regard to the education piece. Um, I think I was I was always a curious lad, as my parents like to like to say. I, even when I was a child, as soon as I got to the height where I could reach the the gas cap on a car, I'd unscrew the gas cap and try to see see what's going on in there. Um, and if anything was missing or, or was out of place in the car house, they they always knew that I was tinkering with something. And I kind of I think I still have that that childish mentality to me today. Anytime I walk into a new room, whether it's an Airbnb that I'm staying at, I like go through the whole room, open up all the cabinets just so I can know what's around, how things function. Um, Cause I like to know how things work that are around me. Um, so I think that like innate curiosity, mm-hmm. like that childlike curiosity that I still have today um, was a huge uh, impetus for that, a huge for- force to keep me interested and always want to learn and pick up something new. Um, Cause I love talking about a bunch of different topics. So sure. that's, that was from a very young age. I think I had a lot of influence from my grandmother as well. Um, unfortunately, she passed back in 2004. Um, so I didn't. Uh, it's okay. I, I was fortunate enough to get, get quite a few years with her. My young, She actually passed away right before my younger brother was born, um, who's our, our, my youngest sibling. Um, so I'm very fortunate to get some years with her. But she was an educator, um, a teacher, and a principal in the San Diego area. So. I think having her and my grandmother lived two houses down from me growing up. So seeing my grandma every single day, having the opportunity to to interact with her, a true educator, um, I think was also hugely played a big role in my life and just keeping that curiosity bug um, flourishing within me. So you, you, and I'm going to fast track this because you're in middle school, you get to high school. You know, a lot of kids don't know what in the world they're going to do. They want right. to use their ninth grade year to get their feet wet, to try to get to know everyone, be a social butterfly, to do all these things. But obviously, uh, and I go back to your grandmother, uh, mm-hmm. you came with a briefcase. I mean, you met business when you came to school, man. So- what really was on your mind when you got to high school as far as your academics are concerned when you got in ninth grade? Yeah, um, I ever since I, since I was a young kid, I knew I wanted to be within the medical field. Um, and I thought for the longest time, I always had a, a passion to be a neurosurgeon. And I wanted to operate and perform surgery on the brain at some point. It was always this two-headed career path of go to NFL. And then once I'm done playing in the league for a few years, then to become a neurosurgeon. And I'm not, I did take my pre-med courses in, in college, but I ended up not 
going the medical school physician route, at least not yet. But that was something that was always a big interest or passion of mine. So I think that's, I came into high school and, and wanted to hit the gears running. It was, it was a lot of that. And also simply just being curious. Like I genuinely like to learn new things um, and think it's fun. So there's that. And I don't want to knock the importance of the social aspect. It's definitely important. Um, and I think sometimes a conversation gets, can be polarized on one side or the other, whether it's just somebody so, being too much on the social end or somebody diving too deep into the books and, and neglecting that part of life. Um, I think just like many things in life, there's a, there's a balance to these things. And it's tough to say what that balance is all the time. Um, but yeah, it was relatively, I, I, because I enjoy learning things, I just dove into the books and, and just was picking up things. Well, just for my audience uh, understanding, by mm-hmm. the time you graduated, and I'll be back with you, I'm going to let Pearsall take over real quick. But by the mm-hmm. time you graduated out of high school, what was your GPA? Oh, I, what was my GPA? I, you might remember better than I do. I think it was 4.4. Okay. Well, don't, Pearsall probably got, it was, it, it was, he, he probably has oh, your, your, your it was a 4.5. It was 4.5. Okay. 4.5 GPA. Okay. We, okay. we rounded up. It was like a 4.5. I think it was like okay. a 4.47 or something like that, but a 4.5. Yeah, okay. yeah, something. I, I thought I thought it was somewhere around there. I, I honestly, I haven't thought about my high school GPA in a long time. That was, I should have had that refresher. Well, don't worry. I, look here, that was my. I needed to stump you on one question because you stumped <laughs> me on a lot of questions in DC. I'm just getting you back. That's all. That's all. He's all yours. <laughs> now you know I'm coming at you a little earlier because I'm in the airport and I have to cut out a little early. But Frank Bunkum. The fourth, yes, aka, aka Mr. Professor, aka Mr. Bowtie, aka Mr. <laughs> Double Bowtie, <laughs> aka Mr. Southern California, <laughs> aka Mr. San Diego, aka Frank the Magnificent. Welcome to the show. Well, man, I appreciate it. That's I I, I haven't heard a few of those before. Some of those are new, so I appreciate it. you I give me a little too much flattery. <laughs> you know, the, the beautiful thing, Frank, is, is not what you think of yourself, but what others think of you and, and the things that other people about the nature of who you are uh, are the things that really are, are more important to us because we know as a Watkins guy, you know, it's endless, mm-hmm. the things that you're able to and, and, you know, my ability to meet, you know, your dad, you know, Frank Buncombe the third, and meet your mm-hmm. mom and all of your siblings and their kids. It was really warm, and, and, and I was embraced by everyone from top to bottom. Um, when we came in town to do your hometown dinner, oh boy, you, we felt right at home. Went over to your house and, and really had an opportunity to get under the covers in terms of understanding some of your foundation, um, the love that you have within your family, which is absolutely endless and mm-hmm. endearing. Um, and so, you know, it really kind of helped us understand. And the fact that obviously you're a male, male among many women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that that was also that was a big a big bonus for me growing up. Um, just learn being able to be in an environment of of respect and and enjoyment of women. So that was that was a huge 
advantage for me growing up just so I know and learn early how to operate in this world. Frank, I want to ask you this question. And so down in San Diego, we know that you were a big dog coming out of high school. Um, everyone knew you for what you were able to do on the field. But you took it another level and you said, I'm not going to be known as a football player. I'm going to create my own style. I'm going to create my own persona. I'm going to be my own guy. But more importantly, I'm going to make sure that I pay attention to the books. We just talked about it. A 4.5 mm-hmm. GPA and top safety in the state of California. How on earth were you able to give ample time to each one so that you were able to be the best at both? Uh, that's a good question, especially when, when it comes down to time management and a little bit what I mentioned earlier is, as far as having, finding that balance. Um, it, comes a lot of, it comes a lot down to putting the time in and do you want to spend X amount of time per day scrolling on social media? Or do you want to take that time and, and, and invest it elsewhere? Because um, when you think about the mo- things that we value most in this world, for, for a lot of people, it might be money. But money can be printed. Um, what can't be is time. And you have, ex- you have 24 hours in the day, um, and we all get the same time. Nobody's printing more. Some people are going to live longer than others, yes. But you can't just print those those hours in the day. So however you allot those and invest those, whether that's on the social side and developing relationships, um, which are incredibly important because at the end of the day, that's what you're going to have is your relationship and your memories. So that's incredibly important, whether it's investing in that, investing in your body and its performance, investing in your, your mind, um, just being intentional about how you're using your time. That's one a key word for me is intentionality. And I try to do very little in this world without having a clear intention. Um, so I might get on Instagram and, and be on Instagram a little bit, but I'm having an intention of connecting with some friends that I don't see often. I might be on there for five minutes and then I'm done. I'm off. Um, so I like to do that's why how I was able to balance that time because I like to do everything with a certain intention. And if I have no intention behind it, I really don't have much interest in doing it. He might be having a problem with his microphone because he is in the mm-hmm. airport. So I'll take over until I start hearing him. So can talk. you hear me? Okay, now we can. Can you hear me? Am I yeah, back? you're coming in again. You're back. So yeah, I'm in that I'm in that unstable environment. So if you hear an uncomfortable pause, obviously it's on my end. Frank, tell mm-hmm. me this. Uh, give me an example of some of the things that you had to go through in high school where you made a decision on what direction you were going to go. In other words, uh, you were with a group, perhaps, and they were going to do this. And you said, well, that's not something that I'm into or that's not going to help me reach my goals. I'm going to do that. Give us an example of an obstacle or some at some point where you had to make a decision to do something that was going to help you be more of who you are. Yeah. um, An example that comes immediately to mind is I never drank an ounce of alcohol in high school. And I actually just started sipping red wine, maybe my senior year of college, just because I didn't really have much interest in it. Um, But obviously, it's illegal. But we all know that many high schoolers consume some alcohol at some point. Um, So obviously, I was at several parties where where people were drinking. Um, Nobody necessarily got belligerent, but people casually drinking beer or whatever it may be. And 
it actually got to the point, I want to say some point in my, my freshman or sophomore year where I just didn't drink and people would ask me like, Hey, do you want this? And do you want that? And it just wasn't something I was interested in. It didn't fit with what I wanted, like kind of going back to that intention piece. Um, it didn't fit. And I felt like I could have, I would always have fun. I could have a hell of a time without consuming this. So why do I need to put this in my body? Um, because it's only going to slow down my recovery process. It's only going to cause X, Y, and Z issues. And I'm already having a great time without it. So it didn't make much sense to me in my mental calculus. So I decided no. And then after probably like some point in my early in my sophomore year, I just became essentially Frank, the guy that doesn't drink. So like nobody asked me anymore. And actually like some of like, I was like my sophomore year and like, it's actually like some seniors <laughs> on my team would actually like somebody, somebody would like ask me like, Hey, if I want to, if I want to drink and like one of the seniors on my football team, like, Oh no, no, Frank doesn't drink. He's good. He doesn't need that. So like they <laughs> ended up, they, it actually turned into like more of a positive peer pressure. Like Frank is the guy that doesn't drink. Uh, he doesn't need that. He doesn't drink. Um, and so I, I was able to create that environment around me where people just know that I didn't drink and it was respected and that's my choice. And so uh, that, that was a, a, able to allow me, that was one of the decisions that I made that it didn't make, it didn't make sense for me. So I didn't do it. And I think because it was helpful because of my status as a football player, I, I, I definitely want to recognize my privilege as like a status of a, of a football player at that stature. Um, nobody necessarily felt the need to like peer pressure me. And I didn't feel the need to conform any into any like social dynamics because some relative popularity as a football player, because I, I didn't feel the need to conform to that. So I definitely recognize my privilege in that regard. Um, so I think that made it easier for me to say no. And everybody's like, okay, he's still cool. Now, now, great answer, because I think that that's something that uh, many of our uh, individuals that are part of our listening audience, both parents and uh, individuals that are at the age where they have to be faced with things like that, it definitely will serve them well. Give me sort of an idea on how on earth you prepared yourself to go to a program that would be so demanding on the athletic side, but also equally, if not more demanding on the academic side and selecting Stanford. So it's a two-part question. You know, how did you come to select Stanford? And then once you got there, uh, how did you maintain the same level of focus on the books and still become such a great player at the safety position at Stanford? How did you make that? What prepared you to make that decision? And then once you made it, what kept you at the top of your game focused on both academics and sport? Yeah, absolutely. Um... To kind of to dive into the first part of that question, like I like I mentioned earlier, I had always had this dream of this two part NFL neurosurgeon thing. And that was always those two pieces that I wanted to flourish in both. Um, so when I was thinking about like which university makes the most sense for me, um, it always came down to um, a little bit, of, a little bit of Hannah Montana, like how can I find the best of both worlds? So I was always looking for what's, what's going to be the best of both worlds. And <laughs> there's certain universities like, uh, like a Harvard, Yale, <laughs> Ivy league world renowned institutions. Um, but they play, they play some good football there, but not to the level that I want to play football. And there are some other 
universities that I that I talked to that play darn some darn good football, but didn't necessarily have the academic prestige in so in the in the programs that I wanted to pursue. So when I started to look, well, what's who's what's what's the best of both worlds for me? It came overwhelmingly clear that it was Stanford. Um, I could play top ten football year in year out, and also um, get one of the best educations this world has to offer, um, and makes and meet some of the most interesting people in the world um, at my age. So I was like, it, it, it ultimately when I started to look at it in that lens, it became a no brainer um, that Stanford was the way for me to go. And then once answering that second part, once I got there, um, thankfully. Like you mentioned earlier, I have a I have one heck of a support network at home, which I'm definitely grateful for. And I was able to find another support network at Stanford. I'm leaning into leaning into student athlete advisors, which no matter what university you go to, generally speaking, you have some type of advi- academic advisors that are allocated specifically for athletes. Um, leaning into those folks, learning their learning their names, their stories. Um, my girl Melissa, who who's who worked with us at, at Stanford. Um, right. We're great. We're great friends. She helped me create a, a, a plan for my academic classes that worked with sports where I can move some classes that might be a little more diff- difficult, more time consuming, get those out of season, put some lighter classes in season when I'm putting all these hours into the game. Um, so really finding that support network and individuals that have walked that walk. And like when you step in, talk to your seniors. Talk to juniors and seniors, especially that are studying something that you want to study, um, that have been through that route, and they can impart that wisdom down to you. Um, so yeah, just really reaching out and growing that support network um, was something that was key for me early on at Stanford. Oh man, again, uh, it's so enlightening to talk to you and and uplifting because um, you just feel like you're you're a part. I'm a part of your journey, but more importantly, the p- other people who can hear and internalize the message that you're giving them, it can do nothing but help them on their path of enlightenment as well. Um, now, we know that, uh, you know, both Tyrone and I, that it got to a point where we had to make a, a pretty significant decision. And uh, when it came down to the senior year and, and, and you know, some things happened from a medical perspective, um, you sort of had to decide, you know, what direction do I go? You had to make a decision on, you know, what career path that I would pursue or do I take some chances? Um, Again, another two-part question. Tell us a little bit about the experience and what happened as to, you know, the decision that you had to make regarding sport uh, as, a, as a junior slash going into your senior year, if you will. And then secondly, um, how can we learn from how you were able to successfully pivot and pick up where you left off to say, okay, that's happened. I've dealt with it. Now I'm going to make it positive and be as successful as I can in another direction. Oh, I, I love this question. Um, the decision weighed on me for quite a bit. Um, a little bit of background um, leading up to that. I, I suffered a few injuries during my time at Stanford. Um, I broke my hand my freshman year. Actually, freshman year during fall camp. I think I was having a pretty good camp um, as well. And I broke my hand and had to have surgery on my, on my knuckle, which prevented me from playing my freshman year. Um, and then I had a pretty good sophomore, sophomore season. And then I tweaked, tweaked my knee. I had a knee injury at the end of my sophomore year that for whatever reason, it it wasn't, it didn't get the necessary, uh, remedy 
for it to res- fully resolve the issue. Um, and then that didn't come to light until right before the start of my junior, my junior season. Um, so I played, uh, I started that season at safety, played the whole year. Then I had surgery on my knee after that year. Um, so I, I got my knee repaired and so I had that full knee surgery. So I'm now two surgeries in at Stanford. Um, and then I come back, play my senior year, which I redshirted my freshman year. So it's technically my redshirt junior year. And I play that season. And then about halfway through the, through the year, I'm just at a restaurant with my, with my parents and this pain start kind of erupts in my spine out of nowhere. Um, and actually like I'm in the restaurant and I fall down on the ground, I'm crying and I'm in tears in the restaurant floor for about five minutes. And then the pain kind of subsides. Um, and then I kind of talk to the trainers about it. It kind of goes away. Then about a week later, it returns at like 7 a.m. in the morning while I'm brushing my teeth. So at that point, like there's a serious issue here. Um, but I was able to get some remedy throughout the season so that we can manage it. And I finished the rest of the season because it's it's not that coaches pressured me. I wanted to play because one, I love to play. Two, I'm out there for my brothers. Um, so I finished the year and then had a had an MRI at the end of the season. And the MRI did not look pretty on my spine. And there were some conversations that I might have to have surgery on my spine if I wanted to keep playing football. And after having surgery on my knuckle, having surgery, a bigger surgery on my knee, um, I really couldn't fathom having surgery on something so vital to my way of life. Um, like head, neck, and spine is something that is critical just to be able to sit up, walk around, move, breathe, feel. Um, so that that was a that was at the time that I, when I had to make a tough decision to hang up the cleats. Um, and when my real decision before that was, do I want to return for my fifth year or do I want to enter the draft and give this thing a shot right now? Um, and then my decision turned to be, am I going to try to have the surgery on my spine or am I going to walk away from the game? Um, and that was tough, but it also kind of coming back to the Stanford decision. Once you start talking about spine stuff to me, um, it was, it became a no brainer. I was like, I don't want to play with my spine. Um, this game has given me plenty of gifts, sent me through college for free. And now it's time to say bye to the game. Um, and thankfully now going to that second piece with regards to the transition, um, it was definitely tough. There's definitely some nights I'll be forthcoming here. Some nights probably for about the first week after that decision where I cried myself to sleep. Um, and it was, it was a tough time because like I said, I was always been my dream to be, go to NFL and, and to, to work in the medical field. And um, I think what ultimately helped me is like you mentioned earlier, Everett, I, I tried to never really call myself a football player because I didn't want to identify too deeply in it. Um, I was trying to call myself uh, a man that plays football or some an individual that plays football so that my identity wasn't so totally baked in being a football player. Because at the end of the day, no matter how great you are, the game's going to be taken from you at some point. Um, so I think I was trying to prep myself for it. And I think I did a relatively good job. Obviously, it still hurt because I cried myself to sleep for a week. Um, <laughs> but but thankfully, my identity wasn't too strongly baked in football. So when it was gone, when I left, um, I could transition and and really dive into some of my other interests and passions. 
Now, you know, through the journey, obviously, you know, beating you at 17 or 18 years old in, in, in high school and then going through college and then some of the things that you've gone through to get to where you are now. And, and I'm a, remain to be astounded. I continue to be astounded at, at, at your path and, and, and how you handle everything so, so well and how you overcome and conquer things. Um, what has the Watkins Award meant? I think his question was, what has the Watkins Award meant to you, Frank? Yeah, I think, I think that was it as well. Um, the Watkins Award has been huge for me in my life, especially because it, as it came into my life that um, in my, my senior year of high school and to be able to just interact with the other finalists of the Watkins Award, um, my year, which was Arrington Farrar, um, who ended up um, then Holton Hill, then two of my teammates, of course, Bryce Love and Eric Reed. I mean, sorry, not Eric Reed, Eric's his older brother, yeah. my best friend, Justin Reed. Yes. Um, and and Dalen Mack as well, who was, I think was down at AM. Um, just being yes. able to meet and interact with those guys um, and just connect with the guys from around the world that are also um, brilliant, young, brilliant student athletes um, was amazing. And I really enjoyed that experience to come together in Washington, D.C. and to be able to celebrate a form of Black excellence and, and to, be, to feel uplifted and be uplifted with, with my brothers um, was huge for me at that, at that point in my life. And thankfully, to the other finalists, Bryce and Justin, I was able to go to Stanford with and continue to enjoy those guys and make deep relationships with those guys for four years at Stanford. Um, so it, Watkins from that moment on, from that moment going forward was always a huge part of my life, especially because I had two finalists in the locker room. And obviously Justin was a defensive back with me and we actually started at safety together. So we're, we're in the trenches with one another, um, day in and day out. Um, so yeah, Watkins has been huge for me with that regard from that uplifting point and really was one of the key, I want to say one of the key factors of really when I, when it clicked for me, as far as where I can take myself and how I continue to improve and elevate myself. Um, so Watkins was just, it was key for allowing myself like, okay, you, you are seen, you can do big things. Um, so yeah, Watkins has been huge for me. We, we can't hear you, Pearsaw. I'm going to have to go back and look at my recording because I know that answer was a good answer, but my internet <laughs> crashed on me and I'm coming back. But I heard the end of it. And uh, I know, I, you know, you're really, I talk to Justin and we text each other frequently and he always tells me, you guys talk almost daily and the relationship he has with you is just so special. And, uh, you know, I've gone to his house and we've kind of dove into it a little bit deeper, but, you know, I definitely appreciate that answer. And we just want to continue to have that kind of an impact. I unfortunately got to get mm-hmm. to a flight before it takes off and leaves me, but I'm hoping that oh, as I turn you back thing. over to uh, Coach Tate, you know, we can get into a little bit more about the fellowship. Um, Tell him where you are now because he doesn't know. And uh, and then just really kind of talk about, you know, some of the things that you intend to do moving forward. I am delighted that you came on the show. Um, again, I'm going to go back and look at that recording and just see it and hear it and just, you know, get energized from what you're doing and your energy, your quest, and, and then kind of look down the road and say, man, <laughs> freaky Frank, 
spunked up. The fourth is gonna be doing things, boy. So I'm gonna tell you back over to Coach Tate, man. It's good talking to you, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Obviously, it'll be online because you're far, far away. Talk to you later. See you later. Right, have, it's been a have a safe flight. Have a, have a safe flight. All right. All right. You know, Frank. You know, before you tell me some other things, I want to try mm-hmm. to set the path here for the individuals who are listening and those who will be listening in the future, because we're on all the major podcast platforms. So anybody can come around and listen to this show again, and I'm sure they will. But, you know, coming out of high school, you was ranked anywhere between you, you will rank anywhere between uh, number eight and number 28 in every top, recruiting magazine in the country. So, you know, you won't uh, talk about yourself because you're so humble, man. I mean, I'm I'm so appreciative of young men such as yourself. You won countless awards, countless awards. But I go to the end of your college career where you were three-time Pac-12, all academic first team, uh, second team, I mean, you did a lot. I mean, even in your first start, I saw you catch an interception and run it back for a touchdown. See, I keep up with you, Frank. You do. I, you do. I, I, you do, I keep man. up with you, man. Because uh, I, I was just so amazed that your intellect, your intellect was just off the charts, man. So... You know, let the the family know who listen here, the young kids, the, the young boys and the young girls. Uh, let them know now, where are you? You, you school is over with. You you make the decision, you you have some sad times about not being able to fulfill that childhood dream of yours, but mm-hmm. that didn't that didn't put the fire out. And you. So where are you now? What happened? Oh, yeah, that it actually might have actually might have made the fire burn a little bit brighter, to be honest, um, because I was straddling these two worlds and then it, it kind of dove fully into one. Um, yeah, I after I made that decision, I actually joined this really awesome fellowship program at Stanford called the Mayfield Fellows Program. Um, and that was a nine month long work study program with 12 total fellows. So myself and, and 11 individuals that are actually becoming um, 11 of some of my best friends. And we, we um, studied together over those nine months, as well as it also consisted of, a, of an internship component as well, in which I was connected with a young startup um, that was actually just started up about three or four months before, before I joined the company. And I really enjoyed my time there. And I enjoyed it so much um, that I that I stayed on um, working with them full time, and have now been at that company for about two and a half years now. Oh. Um, and I've I've grown the company. I was a third employee, and we've continued to to grow um, to grow and grow the patients that we're helping. And the company we we used to we had a different name. We just renamed to Daily Doctor, and. What we do is we allow physicians or doctors to monitor their patients from home. Um, and on the patient side, we allow patients to come directly 
to uh, to to our our company and can get some of their chronic conditions that they might have uh, monitored by world class physicians that are on our platform um, to help them stay in better control of their health. So I was going to do that for a little bit until I decided, okay, which medical school do I want to go to? But um, I'm really enjoying myself. I enjoy what I do um, managing our product line. And I enjoy the level of impact that I can have because we can help so many patients. So I'm really uncertain if I'm going to go to medical school because um, I'm really liking this, this work that I'm doing. And where I'm at physically, because my company's remote right now, I'm actually currently working from Iceland. So I'm actually right outside of Reykjavik, Iceland at the moment. You're in Iceland? <laughs> I am sitting in Iceland right now. I am about four hours ahead of you on the East Coast. So it's wow. nearing 11 p.m. I, yeah, so I'm in Iceland right now. <laughs> wow. Well, Frank, first of all, what's the name of that company? So I can, I can you know, kind of let my audience go look at that company information as well. What's the website name? Yeah, absolutely. The name is Daily Doctor and our website is mydailydoctor.com. Okay. Okay. Now, if someone wanted to get in touch with you uh, or follow the Frank Bunkum bandwagon, how would we Mm -hmm. follow you? Can we go on Twitter, Instagram? Where can we go? Yeah, you go on Twitter, Instagram. The easiest place to find all of that stuff is I actually have a personal website as well that I just okay. threw it that I that I built just for fun because I okay. I like to code every now and then for okay. for fun and okay. my my personal website is just frankbun.com because my okay. last name is just okay. kind of, my last name is Buncom so it's just kind of like Frank Buncom yeah, um, okay okay so yeah. frankbun.com yes sir <laughs> well I tell you you <laughs> you're being creative now <laughs> you know and here's a here's a quick question for you. What kind of music do you listen to? Oh, that's a good. I, I listen. Uh oh. That's that's the. It's coming to the end. But still, tell me what kind of mu- okay. music you listen to. <laughs> oh, I listen to a variety of music. Actually, earlier today, I was just listening to ABBA and Queen. And oh, yesterday, man. and yesterday, I was listening to. Uh, Lil Uzi and Drake. <laughs> well, I, I wanted people to know that you're just a regular guy. But look here, yeah. it was a pleasure having you. And I just want you to, to know as, as, as well that your designer, Ed Ransom, told me to tell you hello, that he will send you two more times to Iceland. I'm going to make sure he sent them to you. Well, I appreciate it. I'll, I'll be back in the States in a little bit, too. She doesn't have to sit in there. I'm only going to be here for a month. But I appreciate okay. it. Well, thanks again. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Frank Bunkum on our show today. Man, what a pleasure. I mean, Frank is getting it done. You're here with T-Tape. And, of course, my sidekick, Jay Ever Pearsall, had to run and catch a flight so he could get home because he ain't been home in a while. But, ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, thank you for being with us today. And, Frank, tell the family again. I said hello. I most definitely will. Thank you so much. And it was a pleasure being on. So I hope you guys have a good one. And okay. Thank you for having me. Thank you. That's it. Ladies right, and gentlemen. All right. Have a nice one.
Put your mind to it. 